there once was a grift that put to sea. The name of the scam was Lincoln P. The tweets blew up. The truth was known. Their game came crashing down. Soon may the weaver men come, DMing boys who were way too young. One day when the grifting is done, we'll take our cash and go. Soon may the weaver men come, DMing boys who were way too young. One day when the grifting is done, we'll take our cash and go. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. That's right. Oh, you'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Okay, all-time greatest sea shanty. I cannot believe that Ruthless has just produced the first and only Lincoln Project sea shanty. I mean, the name of the show is Ruthless, folks. (laughs) Outstanding crooning from Mr. Duncan. Well done. I'd like to thank the writers. I'd like to thank the producers. (laughs) I feel like... Yeah, what does it take to get nominated for a Grammy? Because, folks, that, that, that should get one. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I know we've done some fun stuff on this show, but Sea Shanty. Sea <laughs> Shanty. It's really the- taking on a life of its own. Oh, folks love it. I think I, I think my favorite line is uh, is the DMing boys who are way too young. It's just, funny because it's, it's true. just poetry. It's just poetry. <laughs> it's, it's just absolute poetry. It's enough to make Weird Al Yankovic blush. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that, that kind of leads us, I mean, you know, we had a great opener, but this is going to be a really fun show. Like, uh, well, we've got lined up. This, this is going to be a banger. It is going to be a banger. We're going to start with the Lincoln project, but before we get to it, we've also got a couple other things. We got a game show today that I think is going to be a reoccurring game show. Cause we had a lot of fun thinking about it. Yeah. And it, it's sort of a King of the mountain type come at the King type deal, uh, about sort of the sellout Republican class in the media and whether we can spot their statements that you'll see in love. But we also have this interesting component that Duncan has taken the lead on, which is interviewing minions. Duncan, you want to give any light on that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think um, the strength of this podcast is the community, obviously the listeners. And so, you know, we want to give an opportunity to people who, who spend the time every week to listen to us, to, um, you know, come on and, and give their own takes. Yeah, no, no question about it. And we're not always going to agree on everything. So part of the disagreement is the fun of the discussion. But I will say, uh, in the end, it seems like we agree on a hell of a lot more than we don't. Absolutely. All right. So let's get right into the, the meat of the program, as they say, let's and go. this variety program, I might add. Um, and that is the Lincoln Project. So we have, uh, boy, oh boy. I mean, we've been covering this for a long time, last couple of months for sure. But over the weekend, a story broke in the New York Times, New York Times, which, you know, listen, if you're a sellout Republican and you get bad press in the New York Times, you know you're in bad shape. Right. And, and the thing is that this story, who, who had it? It was like the American Conservative Magazine or something. And like it was being ignored for a while. Until it got to the point where it was just like, fine, the New York Times 
Like the thing is that whenever it's, it's, it's something that hurts Biden or it hurts Dems or it hurts the Lincoln project, who is essentially, you know, a propaganda arm for Dems. Now, you know, the mainstream media won't cover until if it ever reaches the point where it's just like, Oh my God. Okay. Fine. Fine. We'll do a write up guys. Basically when they're no longer useful, right. Which is, which is where the Lincoln project has found themselves that they are no longer useful. And so uh, as you recall, they are a conglomeration of former quote-unquote Republican strategists who mattered, managed to lose almost everything that they've touched over a two-decade period. Uh, foremost amongst them is John Weaver, who is the subject of the sea shanty, I might add. Yeah. Uh, so Weaver, let me just read the New York Times. This is the lead of the New York Times. John Weaver, a longtime Republican strategist and co-founder of the prominent anti-Trump group, The Lincoln Project, has for years sent unsolicited and sexually provocative messages online to young men, often while suggesting he could help them get work in politics, according mm-hmm. to interviews with 21 men who received them. 21. Come on, man. 21. <laughs> I mean... So, you know, the first question, of course, was how does a guy like this, who's as prominent as John Weaver, he ran both John McCain presidential campaigns. He has been prominent in politics since the HW era. Kasich, he was he was uh, calling the shots for Kasich too, right? Yeah, he ran the he ran the Kasich campaign. So he's been. I mean, this is thirty years, sort of at the top of the hill. Uh, and you know, those of us who've been involved in Republican politics have plenty to criticize about this guy. And like for folks who might remember the Kasich campaign, that was the one where John Kasich basically just traveled the country, competitive eating at every stop. (laughs) It's like, man, if you thought Kasich had an appetite, this guy's DMs, just fucking John Weaver. Right. And there's been allegations for years about impropriety with this guy, but not in this area, right? There, there had been a bunch of allegations and I stress allegations cause I don't know whether these things are true or not about him stealing campaign dollars mm-hmm. or basically making off with, um, you know, more money than people had had initially intended him to get, but he's had a terrible rep. I mean, an awful reputation yeah. because in addition to not actually ever winning anything, everybody also felt bad about the experience. <laughs> right. So, but now it turns out that he's been into the young men and he's been offering, you know, at least proffering some kind of suggestion that he could help them out in their careers if he had something close to some kind of a sexual relationship with them. And also, I think it's very important to point out that the youngest person the Times talked to was 14 years. They had been approached when they were 14 by Weaver. 14 I mean, it's it's horrifying. So one of the people who has known John Weaver for a long time is Carl Rove, former President Bush's advisor. You know him from, from Fox and everything else, probably the most prominent Republican strategist. But he worked with them in Texas far beyond, far before the point we heard of either John Weaver or Carl Rove. And Rove went on Fox today to say, oh, yeah. I, I surfaced, surfaced this because I heard about it back in 1988. 1988. And so what the media did with that when Rove said, hey, there's some concerns about John Weaver is the Atlantic wrote a piece. I think this was after the 2000 election where George W. Bush beat 
McCain and, and Weaver is that they wrote a piece saying that Roe was essentially surfacing all these salacious rumors mm. intended to damage McCain and Weaver. Oh, or it could just be true. Yeah, that, there you go. I mean, since 88, that's pretty terrifying. This guy's had like a 30-year reign of terror. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the, the one thing I want to flag here, fellas, is John Weaver uh, is just a bad person. You know, it's just like that. This isn't this isn't just, um, you know, pressuring underage, you know, boys uh, for sex. I mean, this is a guy who spent the last four years talking about compromise and Putin and collusion while trying to register as a foreign agent to lobby for Russia. Uh, I mean, this this is a guy who's one of the most dishonest people in this industry. Um and he tried to um, kind of somersault out of this by saying, you know, I'm in the closet and that's an excuse. He, he tried of, to use the spacey defense that right. I am now choosing to live as a gay man. Or, or right. the, the Governor McGreevy is my favorite back yeah. in, in New Jersey, right? Right. But same- this, I mean, the guy is a predator. The guy is a, a sick, depraved predator who preyed on, on, on kids who needed help. I can't think of a worse type of person who deserves hell more than John Weaver. I Listen, I totally agree. And here's the reason this, the really, look, I don't know who, how many people knew about this situation. We've now kind of found out that the Lincoln Project itself may have had some information on all of this going back to last summer, if not before, but I don't want to make allegations we can't substantiate. But the reason that this guy has remained prominent in Republican circles has nothing to do with the fact that he's actually an operative. Like this guy fucking sucks. I wouldn't give <laughs> this guy a job to mow my goddamn lawn. Yeah. This, this is one of the worst. If you're looking at straight win loss ratios and how you manage a campaign and how you get a campaign to the finish line and ultimately obtain power in this country, there is probably not an operative who is least less accomplished than John Weaver. I mean, he is horrible. But he's maintained his conversation within Republican politics because every single reporter in political journalism knows that they can go to him to talk smack about other Republicans, which, as we know, is the only way that you can actually obtain any kind of notoriety in the mainstream press is if you're attacking your own. Yeah, I mean, those even this uh, article in Politico and in, in- late 2015 and boy the title is pretty awful it's uh john weaver in the business of political seduction uh it didn't discuss you know any of the current allegations but it basically talked about how he essentially would you know work for anyone do anything for a paycheck he, he had no ideology he had no real talents like uh he, he was trying his hardest to get uh, a gig with the trump campaign in 2016 that didn't end up happening so i mean the guy ends up at the Lincoln Project. Like that'll tell you, he's just looking for a paycheck, folks. As it, those allegations, by the way, have been made about almost everybody involved in the Lincoln Project. Mm, wow. That that almost everyone have have tried to hook on somewhere. I mean, look, there are two or three members of the Lincoln Project, founding members, who used to annually come to me and beg for work, right? And and nobody could employ him because they just routinely lose shit. Yeah. Like yeah, no, dude, I, I actually like to win. We we like to to, to have majorities in the United States Senate 
We like to have a presidency. We like to have a, a house majority. Like these guys were incompatible with that, but somehow they all found each other and they became stars on MSNBC because every day they would go out as quote unquote Republicans. Oh yeah. Talk about how terrible Republicans are. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the media loves that story, man. You will get airtime on CNN. You'll get airtime on MSNBC. If you can claim to be a Republican and say, actually Republicans are bad. Yep. They'll, they'll put you right on the air. But yeah. there's, there's, there's something uh, <clears throat> going on at the Lincoln project. Uh, as we, we saw from the, uh, the scoop today in Axios about Ron Steslow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the co-founders is now starting a podcast company. Uh, you know, we, we started this program with a, a sea shanty. Well, the rats are fleeing the ship. <laughs> nice. Uh, and I, I imagine in light of the Weaver news, we're going to start to see a lot of these folks at each other's throats here in six months. And, you know, I just, you love to see it. Yeah. You, you lo love to see it. But, but to put it like a finer point on what you're talking about was Ron Steslow who is one of the founding members who jumped ship. And the reason that that matters to this audience is that he's kind of the smart guy behind the scenes who actually understands how intellectual property and all of those kind of things work. Like he's been an operative in California for a long time who, you know, obviously never Trump and everything else, but he figured out, unlike the rest of these idiots, that he could actually own the properties that they created with other people, people's money. Right. So the rest of them are like enjoying their limelight on MSNBC and running around jerking each other off over stupid bullshit. This guy runs away with the RSS feed on the podcast. Right. So the two million plus people that have been subscribing to this nonsense are now his subscribers and the rest of them are sitting around with their putt in their paw. Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about this game show that we've put together yeah, because a good one. Um, Duncan with Duncan has done a, a terrific job moderating uh, this game show, but we have a little different twist on this one today. Should I, should I go over the rules or you want to go over the rules? Essentially, I'll, I'll go over the rules. So, you know, we, we all use Twitter. We all know there, there are folks who have just the worst takes uh, the worms have completely eaten their brains and you get a very concentrated form of that among, you know, the never Trumpers. Um, so we were thinking, you know, let's have a contest between me and Josh and see who can, who can find, you know, the never Trumper with the worst takes over the past week where there's three rounds. Duncan tells us who wins each round, you know, Josh gives a take from whoever he picks. I, I drop a take from whoever I pick and Duncan decides which take is worse. Yeah, yeah I, I'm judge. I'm judge and jury. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, this game is going to sweep the nation. This is going to be a good one. I've got a. I have a couple of requests at the outset. First, can I get moderate Jeff to play the game show sound? Got to have it. Okay. There the you second, go, the second thing is, I want it to be known that I, I have conceded too smug the king of the mountain position. In other words, he has what I think we all observe to be the best dumbass amongst all of them. And in this particular game, what that means is that we have found a former Republican who's now a, a Democrat glitterati that uh, we think has the worst takes <laughs> on Twitter consistently. 
And this isn't like a reach back game where you could go back two years and find the worst take. It has to be contemporaneous. So you think about it like the college basketball top 25, right? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. really matter what you did in October or November. Like we're dealing, we're in February now. You got to win games in February. Yeah. You got to start winning. Yeah. So, so we're looking at this stuff on a week by week basis. And what we pull are three tweets in the last seven days. And I pick for this week. Uh, my champion is Jen Rubin. I, I think, I think her takes, I mean, it's a strong, like that's it's a the dude. number one draft pick. That's I a mean, dynasty. Like, it's almost like just cheating. Jen is, you know, a, a one woman dynasty team of, of bad takes. It's, it's so good that it's hard to compete with. I went to like three or four different ever destinations to try to find somebody as dumb as Jennifer Rubin. I think I've got one that can compete today. But I think, I think one thing I just want to clarify here and feel, feel free to talk it out guys. But I think because smug is ostensibly like King of the mountain for this game, he got to pick Jen Rubin. He should have to go first twice. Yeah. First in, and in, last, first he, and last round, I'll, I'll drop, okay. I'll drop the take first. I feel, okay. I feel like that sort of like levels the game a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I like that because in addition to just having a bad take, the sequencing of presenting the bad take right. is also important here because you have to take the best two out of three. In other words, if Smug pro provides like a prototypical Jennifer Rubin nuclear hot yeah, take. Yeah, yeah. I, I can look at that and say, I've got nothing in my yeah, hand. Yeah, surrender, surrender. They can beat that. So I'm going to shove my worst stuff out there to try to just sort of shelve it yeah, and compete for the pre the other two. Next I two love hand. this. I love this, guys. It's like so much like strategy. It's like Pokemon. It's like it's, you know, you like throw out your Pokemon. It's a lot of strategy. <laughs> so this is great. There's good strategy. There's there's some poker equivalents here. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of games going on in one, but but I'm going to compete today, and I don't like the fact that he that I'm going up against the best of the best. But it is what it is. So here we go. Who's who? Who'd you pick for the week? Well, oh yeah, God, I need to introduce the asshole. So I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna surprise anybody to know that Maximum Boot is a primetime player on a week by week basis. Let's the, go. The reason that I selected Max Boot is not only because he's got primetime terrible takes and he's a former Republican who used to be exactly the opposite of everything he is now in terms of like all kinds of different things, but his consistency week in and week out, right? So there are plenty of people as dumb as max boot, but not that give me the breadth of opportunity in a seven day cycle that he's given me. And I, I think that that goes on. So if for some reason I'm able to win this week, I think I can defend the title for a lot, lot, wow. lot. Longer. Oh, wow. Well, there's wow. some scouting, there's some scouting involved here, right? Like you really have to do the homework. You got to look back and say, who's going to give me what I need to take on the, the, the queen here, Jen Rubin. That's right. That's right. So I think I can hold the top of the charts if I win, but I'm, I just winning is going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Okay. Well, smug, smug, uh, you know, the floor is yours. I'm judge, judge and jury. <laughs> uh, give us a take. Here's the, here's the first take from Jen Rubin. This is on January 26th. Given the unlikelihood of Senate action, it is essential both fed and state prosecutors investigate sedition incitement Riot, conspiracy to commit voter fraud versus ex-president. Against the president himself. Yes. State and local authorities. Yep, totally. What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, Holmes? 
I mean, it makes sense have 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 federal people investigate things that are up to the state and have state authorities investigate things up to the federal government. Okay, Great got, take. I, I think I think I can beat it. I think I can beat it. But it's a little bit of a caveat because he has it, it's a it's a retweet, but it's not a retweet. He he's pulled the words out of somebody else's column to put them on top of the ah. column. Basically, to say that this speaks for him, right? He's okay. Endor- he's endorsing. So he's using a quote opinion. retweet. I guess. I guess we can allow that. That's that's yeah. a gray gray area in the rule. Well, like, you know, you got to pick Jen Rubin. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like playing it's like playing NBA Jam and being like, oh, I'm going to be the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Fair, fair. Not the one year when they had Pippen and Horace Grant, the no. George years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair. So Max Boots says on January 26th. It is far too little to say that the GOP has lost its way. Quite deliberately, it has become American democracy's most dangerous enemy. Oh, man. I mean, that's that's hot. That's a hot take. This is tough. This is tough, fellas. So I got sedition uh, versus uh, most dangerous. And, and one's Trump-specific, one's just Republicans. Yeah. Man, I, you know, let us know if you need to reread. Well, no, I, I, I got the gist of both of them. I, I guess I feel like Smug's holding back. Like, I feel like he, he didn't give us the hotness. Like he, you felt like I brought my top game and he gave us like his, his throwaway card. No, he, it's a good tweet. It's a, it's a good tweet, but. Max Boot saying that <laughs> the Republican Party is the most dangerous thing in America while thousands of Americans are dying every day from coronavirus there you seems go. like a little fucked up. Yeah. I got to be honest. Yeah. So the jury has decided uh, Josh Holmes wins round one. OK, all yeah. right, because that's See, what I was, was holding back. That was the that was the weakest. He Ruben was wow. and I, I, See, saw I, I knew it. I knew it. I that's the, that's strategy. Strategy in action. But let me just say from my standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, if I'm dealing with Jennifer Rubin, I need to strike early. Yeah, yeah. You can't let you can't let Jen Rubin, you know, get up on the scoreboard. You can't it's let like her. letting Mahomes get unleashed. You can't let that happen. Can't play from behind again. Never, against never the king. can't do that. There are no comebacks with Rubin. I needed to start and establish the tone. So here we go. One zero boot. What's up? Okay, here, but but here Holmes, now you gotta lead. Now you gotta lead. You gotta okay. lead off. Okay. Okay. <sighs> I'm in awe of dissidents who risk their lives for human rights. Their courage stands as a rebuke to all those, including many Republicans, who are complicit in plots against democracy. But even among freedom fighters, Navalny's courage stands out. Okay. Okay, wow. I got I, I got to take. I got to take. I mean, let me just let me just contextualize before you provide yours this man has compared in one tweet what is happening to navalny in russia and the arrest of 5100 people in moscow for protesting democracy basically with what's happened 
with the Republican Party. Yeah. Okay. I got to take it. It's short and sweet. Let's get it. This is also from January 26th. I mean, Ruben, you know, <laughs> never takes a day off, man. Holy shit. <laughs> it's simply why Republicans are pretending impeachment is unconstitutional, even if it is in the Constitution. <laughs> so, wait, I need to clarify. I, so I need to clarify. And this is, this is actually going to be a precedent-setting decision by mm-hmm. Michael Duncan for a lot of reasons, because what I've heard here is the dumbest of dumb takes, regardless of whether you're on the pro or anti-impeachment in terms of its <laughs> constitutionality. She seems to be suggesting that the mere mention of impeachment within the Constitution uh, requires its implementation. Yeah. Okay. Look. Uh, I, wow. I mean, you got to respect the courage to just tweet that, though, right? Like, that's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's a link to her article where she to says just, this. To just, to just tweet that takes incredible courage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so ugh, this is a tough one. This is a really, really tough one because they're so divergent. They are. Yeah. You know, your 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 tweet homes had so much um so many layers. Yeah. And uh, and I'll and, be frank with you, I went with the kill shot here. I felt like I felt like mm, I that's had, confident. That's confident. I felt like I had the opportunity to put him down with this one because Although that was absolutely terrific stupidity, I felt like it's not the hot take section. It's actually just the incompetence piece, which I'm testing the judge and jury to see sort of where the lines are drawn. And see, my strategy is I went for the pure, uncut, completely brain worms. So that this is like 10 words, brain worms. (laughs) And (laughs) uncut. And art. And look. I think this is a situation where the tie goes to the runner and the runner here is Jen Rubin. Oh boy. Let's go. Uh, Well, no, it's just, it's just, look, this is, this is, this is her fucking brand. This is her brand. (laughs) This is, I don't give a shit. I'll give you the worst shit. I haven't tweeted. I have that much confidence. (laughs) And so if there's any tweet that deserves to win in a, in a Jen Rubin, uh, uh, world it's this tweet so i gotta give it to 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 smug i can't i can't argue with the judge on that i i would have liked to have have won in two straight but i'll let you both know that i've saved a little something yeah i'm gonna say it right now i mean i can i don't think i can lose the third round with this tweet holy shit this is this is genius shit part of the reason why i go with max boot this week is because of the density of shit takes <laughs> i've got a well to choose from and i've saved go. what i think is the best for last but I, but so who reads this one first hold, hold on hold, 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 hold on i just i just want to i want to give a little more color for our our listeners here so yes yeah, smug does have to go first but you're telling me holmes that you got you got a couple arrows in in the old quiver yeah you don't yeah. know which one you're going to deploy and it's going to no depend. i know i've now decided which one i'm going to deploy Wow. Okay. Well, some but I, have, but I but I came with more than three. If that's what you're asking. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is the the take I'm dropping. I've I've wanted this 
This is, I mean, this is an absolute banger. All right, let's hear, <laughs> let's hear from let's hear from Smug. I want to hear this. This is also from January twenty sixth. Holy Jen shit! Ruben, why did she do that what day? A day, dude? Forget a week. I went with one day. <laughs> what a day! This is a day in the life of Jen Rubin's brain. <laughs> January twenty sixth. I just I I would love the I I love the idea that the Jen Jen Rubin can have like one one three martini lunch and then it's just fucking nuclear takes for an entire day. It, it provides you enough content to go through twenty minutes on a podcast. Like God bless her, wonderful human being. I hope you know she may survive because of this. This is this is the crown jewel take. Let's go. January twenty sixth. Jennifer Rubin. Here's an idea. Since impeachment is two-thirds of those present, why not have the Trump sycophants not show in protest, parentheses, on flimsy, incorrect constitutional grounds, and everyone else can vote to convict? So her plan is some sort of like a, a Scooby-Doo-esque episode where you trick Republicans into not showing up in the Senate because they won't be watching the news at like today's vote or anything. Oh, so I don't know. Maybe have Chuck Schumer like her, her. She's she's throwing out the idea. Maybe Chuck Schumer puts on like a Mitch McConnell mask. Can I get walks a up to Republicans and tells them, "Hey, don't show up to work tomorrow." Can I get a reread? Yeah, I oh, need it's, a, it's it's gold. I, I only need one more. Here's read. an idea: since impeachment is two thirds of those present, why not have the Trump sycophants not show quote in protest in parentheses on flimsy, incorrect constitutional grounds, and everyone else can vote to convict. She she straight up suggests on on incorrect constitutional grounds. Like that's 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 one of the parts of her plan. I just love <laughs> the that Jen Rubin gonna, plan. She's gonna tweet this the secret plan to deceive. <laughs> oh yeah, that's how they marketed that. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I think I can compete. I think I can compete. For those of you who spend an awful lot of time. Uh, in like watching politics and you know the different players, this one will really resonate, particularly with all the recent news about um, Jewish lasers and uh, 9-11 being an inside job. Max Boot, two hours ago. Wow. The cowardice of Rob Portman has done more to damage the Republican Party and the Republic than the craziness of Marjorie Taylor Greene. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Let me, let me, listen, I, don't, I know we got a lot of ranging ideologies in this place, and the minions come from a bunch of different places, but Rob Portman's a lot of things. <laughs> A danger is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, a, a radical. Okay, that's a, that's a, just the take is saying he's a radical, which is that's laughable. But Ruben is has the Scooby Doo secret plan for that's impeachment, dude. It's it's that's, that's like that, the the greatest thing. Young about galaxy brain take, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tax expert Rob Portman is more dangerous than the Jewish laser gal. And the 9-11 is an inside job. See, I like this. I, you know what I like about this game is here at the end, you guys are, are providing sort of closing statements here. Yeah. Yeah. Which I just absolutely love. And, and I stand, this, is a, this is truly nuclear grade takes. Like right. Iran would kill to have Jen Rubin, her brain attached mm. to the a thing, reactor. The thing that's so tough here is it's, it's, it's so different stylistically. Um, 
you know, you've got you got Jen Rubin, who's just like, it's just shit posting. Like, yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. It is shit posting and like having the confidence to do it because you live in this cloistered world where like your worldview is like never challenged and yeah. people just like like sign your checks for you to put up dumb shit every fucking day. Like that sort of confidence and privilege is just remarkable. Um, and like I, I do respect it so much. Max Boot um, is like he has this sort of faux intellectual side yeah, yeah. to his that's, content that's that provides like a permission structure for um, for all of the things that got us to Donald Trump. Yeah. Can, can, can I pause you on that? Because I think what's worth noting that boot not only gives you the tweet, he'll give you eight, 900 words explaining why it's right. And see, and that's yeah. the thing is, so like, I think that's what this comes down to is you've got the faux intellectual boot who, who needs that, that article to convey it. And then you've got just like feverish delirium boomer takes from Jen Rubin, who is just like a tweet. That's it. This is a good pure this madness. If for yeah. this game, and we're bringing this game back, this is going to be an ongoing weekly game. But I think week one, this sucker is a toe to toe. Yeah. Um, do the right thing, Duncan. You know, you know it. You know, Jen Rubin is is the crazier one. This is, the, the, I mean, that tweet, Scooby Doo, the smug, Senate. Smug, can you read? Can you? Yes, absolutely. We, we are in deliberations with the jury, and I, I'm gonna need, uh, I'm gonna need uh, evidence A from from Smug. Here it is. Here's an idea. Since impeachment is two thirds of those present, why not have the Trump sycophants not show in protest on flimsy, incorrect constitutional grounds, and everyone else can vote to convict? Fuck. I mean, that is. <laughs> She wins. I'm sorry, Smug. No. I mean, that's Smug a, wins. that is just crazy, man. No, that, that's Smug beyond wins. galaxy brain. I'm sorry. Listen, I I got a lot. I have a new respect for Max Boot that he can go toe to toe. I with think Rudy. Holmes. Look, because this I, was close, and Holmes played it the best way he possibly could. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I agree. That and there is a world smart drop, there, dropping heat on the second round. There is a world where this is a hung jury. Yeah, that was that was. I really didn't think anyone could compete. Against Jen Rubin, I thought. This well, next week, I mean, this is even more work for me because now next week I'm going to have to scounge around. I hope. Listen, I I'm secretly hoping Anna Navarro is rested out this week. <laughs> what I know, <laughs> bring her off the bench. <laughs> I need seven days of hot stuff. Oh, what a treat! Well, um, boot goes down. Let's get the uh, music from Moderate Jeff. Let's hit it. Okay, man, I'm so proud of my queen. Keep keep those keep those you know brainworm takes coming, Jen Rubin. I mean, smug smug really sequenced it well. You know, I mean, it's hard to argue. He played it well. He played his cards right. He did. He did. Let's get let's get to the the uh, final piece of this, which is the interview, and uh, and then we got to get along our way. Yeah. So. Um... I talked to Mr. Newcomb Cocaine, uh, who's prolific on on Twitter, uh, and he's been 
very critical of of uh you know mitch mcconnell who who josh and i have worked for which you know we're fine with and we can take we can take some criticism we sure sure bet mitch mcconnell can take some criticism and he's he's also been very critical of the republican establishment writ large sort of post-election and so look we wanted to have him on to uh to give some takes and answer some questions and um i think you guys are going to be going to be interested to hear what he says so let's go to it all right so i have mr newcomb uh you may know mr newcomb cocaine from uh from twitter welcome to ruthless well hello thank you for having me on um i appreciate uh the conversation uh, i know that's one of the key things you guys have uh harped on is you know we have conversations that the libs can't you know, right. too busy crying and we'll hold the line and have a talk <laughs> well and like you know i'm always happy to talk with people i disagree with you know i mean that's that's why we started this podcast was to you know let people come on and just give their takes so um we'll start with a light topic here uh, one of my favorite topics but uh your favorite moment um of the trump presidency um, I like the phone call he had with the seven-year-old, uh, the Christmas ruining one. Santa. <laughs> yeah. Classic. You know, uh, what, what was his, what was his verbiage? Uh, he said, uh, it's marginal, it's marginal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Classic Trump. Um, and then the real moment, you know, the defining moment to me is when, uh, ACB was confirmed and what he brought to the table there. On to the meat of the program. Um, you've been program, program. That's right. Uh, you've been very critical of, um, you know, the Republican establishment, Senator McConnell, um, in you know the 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 push for impeachment now, their reaction to to the riot at the Capitol. Um, I was just curious, like, what is like, 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 what's your central thesis there? So I'll preface this with, you know, I uh, respect Mitch McConnell for what he's provided. Obviously, um, I was a Mitch McConnell catfish account for a couple of years. Oh, hell yeah. Um, I, re I really enjoyed it. Um, made some really good Mitch memes. Uh, he's been uh, a lot of fun to support. I like the community and uh, the structure uh, around uh, him as a as a leader, uh, but I believe there's some missed moments, you know, post election that um, really, to me, have shown some of the things that we believe, you know, the uh, the, the Democrats are out of touch with, and then you start seeing your side be out of touch with its voter base. Like the states administer elections, the federal government doesn't. And so I feel like some of the frustration with the quote unquote establishment is like, is really misplaced in a lot of this. Cause it's like, I mean, I just, I don't think anyone can make a serious argument that Republicans or like specifically Mitch McConnell hasn't been loyal enough to the president. Like, I just, I just don't, 
I just don't see how that can be a serious argument when you look back in the last four years. Now you could say, um, you know, he didn't support the president post-election um, with his claims that the election was stolen. Absolutely, you can say that. Um, but you can't say uh, that he didn't support the president's agenda. I mean, like we like we fought through a government shutdown to fund the border wall. Like we we repealed the individual mandate to Obamacare. We passed Trump's tax cuts. Like we renegotiated NAFTA into USMCA. We stopped impeachment after the Ukraine phone call. Like we got Kavanaugh on the court. Remember the Kavanaugh shit? Like that was insane. I mean, like 30% of appeals court justices and, or judges in America are Trump judges now. And like to the people who say, Trump, well, you know, McConnell, McConnell judges. What? Trump and McConnell judges. I think, right, you know, right. regardless of my criticism, to me, they are the greatest political duo, unlikely political duo that we've ever had. It's incredible. And, and you can't separate that. You know, I, I'm not, you know, a, a crybaby that's going to throw out the baby with the bathwater. No, I, I believe there's a moment that came and a moment that was missed between the election and Georgia. And, and that's, that's the, the, the root of my criticism. You know, I, there's, there's no arguing, you know, he delivered with, you know, Donald Trump side by side. They, they did pretty damn good things over the last three years. But independently, they would both be nothing. Right. No, I mean, look, I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. Um, I guess what I would say is like, and I've made this argument on the podcast before, but like, at what point is it Donald Trump's fault for having bad lawyers? Like he lost 60 times in court. So this is one thing that I do agree with you on. All right. And I've asked this question to a lot of people is whose responsibility was it to, to see what the Democrats were doing in March? I mean, Trump tweeted about it. Cool. He tweeted about it. Right. But whose responsibility was it to provide the leadership and the financial backing and the lawyers to stop what the Democrats were doing? Like, why don't like we, we should have somebody sitting there just that just says no to Mark Elias. Every time he wants to do something, no. Right. And so we have lawyers. I mean, the, the issue is that it's the president's campaign. Like they raised a billion dollars. You know, it's like it's on them. It's, it's like there's nobody else who raises that much amount of money uh, that can handle a project of that at that sort of scale in all of these states. Like it's up to the president's campaign or maybe the RNC. But like, I agree, I agree with you. I just think like hindsight's really like hindsight is 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 really easy uh it's easy to play money monday morning quarterback on a lot of this stuff like we didn't really know like in, in april in may of 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 lockdown and stuff like as these decisions were being made like what was the best way to fight against them like a lot of this is like unprecedented territory like legally like from a yeah. legislative standpoint lawsuit right 300 lawsuits that and and to your point you know i don't I'm not a Dominion uh, conspiracy theorist. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll leave the entire conspiracy portion of the stolen election out. You, you can throw that out. You can ignore that. You know, you can acknowledge. And what I think wasn't acknowledged was like, yes, there are legitimate gripes. There are legitimate, ethical and unfair things that happened over the last you know, year that allowed an election 
that, you know, they bullied their way through it. And, and the entire premise that just because they got it through the door, you got to throw your hands up and say, shucks, man, they won. Man, it hurts. And it hurts the American people. Well, look, look, I get that. I get that. Um, here's what I would say. I mean, if we're talking about ballot harvesting or we're talking about like accepting ballots long past election day, like I hear you, like all of that is those are legitimate gripes. But like the president isn't just making those gripes. He's making the Dominion gripes. And like, here's the thing. And like, I got in a lot of fights with people online, you know, about this, um, you know, in December and in, in January, but like Newsmax recanted OAN or OANN recanted because they got cease and desist from Dominion. It's like, at some point it's like put up or shut up. Right. And it's like, they, they were wrong. And like the president bears responsibility because he said that shit too. Like he just does. And like, I know the thing that makes him great is the thing is that's his greatest weakness. It's like the guy fights to the, to the bitter end. And that's why people love him. But it's also the reason why he got into trouble here. A little bit. And this, this goes into, you know, what I think is the, the missed messaging moment of, you know, November and December. Um, Cause ultimately uh, there were voters that didn't turn out in Georgia. Right. There are voters that didn't think their state leadership was looking out for them. And w- what I saw was, sure, there's Linwood and there was Sidney Powell. But that's that that was the, the entirety of the conversation. And I, I saw a lot of people afraid to to make any other argument because they were afraid to be lumped in with the fringe. Now, now, Trump, I think it was uh, November 27. He separated from Sidney Powell, December 2, he called out Lynn Wood, and yet there was that silence that was not, you know, it did not give voters a, a good feeling that people cared. Now, going to the, the podcast that you have with Todd Young, there was, uh, you know, they, they set up a, a, a large movement in, in Georgia. Um, I think some of the things he did on the ground could have been communicated some of the legal uh, framework and um, the integrity that you guys were pushing for uh, could have been amplified. But like you've discussed on the podcast, there's things that you guys didn't want to touch on because you didn't want to say the election was stolen out of fear of people not turning out. Where my opinion is you should have or could have, you know, there was a thread that could have been, you know, uh, you know, weave through the needle that, yes, we can address the concerns that a lot of voters have, and, and we are going to make sure we create a framework to mitigate them and and let them know that, hey, come on out. I just don't think it was that nuanced, dude. Like, I, I see what you're saying, but like, first of all, like, like I have said, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but like he lost in court 60 times, so he didn't prove Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani didn't prove any evidence of the of of massive voter fraud. So, like, we're not going to defend that in Georgia. Number one, number two, it's like there was like half a billion dollars spent in that runoff election. Like everybody was turning out, and um, you know, at the end of the day, like the reason why we lost is because the president said elections were rigged for two months. And in early vote and absentee voting, 
Democrats outperformed us by like three and a half percent percent more than they did in the general election. Like, it's just as simple as that. Like we turned out at 88 percent. They turned out at 92. And like that four percent depreciation was like all in northern Georgia where the president's base is strongest. And so it's like, that's it. That's the reason. And like a lot of people are, are saying, oh, well, it was the $2,000 checks or it was the Trump phone call to the secretary of state that got recorded. No, none of that mattered. Like the election was over for all intents and purposes, like when early voting was over before election day, because of the hole we'd be we'd been dug into by the president retweeting Lynn Wood and the president saying the election is rigged. Like, that's just a fact. I mean, and it's it's sad. Uh, because if the president hadn't hadn't done that, like we wouldn't be staring down the Green New Deal right now, which is what we are. Um, I'm gonna, you know, gonna have to disagree with that assessment. You know, I, I think there was, you know, money left on the table on both sides as far as you know coming to terms with uh, what happened on November three, and um, just ignoring what the president was doing obviously didn't pan out and uh expecting voters to vote for you or else didn't pan out uh there's a large part of the trump base that's libertarian which you've touched on and you you've acknowledged on on air is that the libertarian vote made a difference this time you know that the margin of the libertarian vote is is greater in some areas you know smug made the point than uh how by how much Biden won by, right? And, and so, when you assume your voters belong to you, you, you you run into the 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 trap that the Democrats have played. I mean, like you know? I agree with you. Yeah. Here, here's here's the thing. Ultimately, I agree with you that like I don't want us to be in a position where we turn our backs on on all of these voters who came in new to the party. But like, I also have to acknowledge like a simple math problem. And the simple math problem is in a state like Georgia, where the real hinge of the electorate is the suburbs, we just like can't give up the suburbs. We just can't because it's so there's so many voters there, like all the rural turnout in the in the world can't offset what is such a voter rich area of the state. And so it's like, I guess that brings me to my next question is like, where do we go from here? I did want to say something though, you know, okay. uh, regarding the forming of the Capitol and the response to it is not just uh, a response to Trump, you know, so you, you can think like, however you treat Trump, you know, yes, some of our, the, the voters, some of his base, you know, they re, they react, you know, um, in tune with that, but it's also the optics uh, of the political class, the, or the political and elite class, the perception of their own importance that when someone came to the doors of their job, someone came to their place of work, that suddenly all, you know what, that screeches to a halt, danger in America. There is nothing more sacred about the halls of the Capitol than my right to make a living, than my right to run my business. So the outsized reaction that ends up putting 35,000 troops amplified the separation and the just out of tune with what America feels right now. You have 
BLM upset, you have Antifa upset, you have MAGA upset, and then you have the people looking past all three problems acting like they're going to go away. Right. No, look, 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 I think you you raise an important point there, which is only made uh, stronger by what we saw here recently, which was now all of those na- you know National Guardsmen who've been protecting the Capitol grounds are now treated like trash and made to sleep in a garage, um, you know, rather than taken care of. Like they're just, they're not important Wait, anymore. Shout out to LC. She offered them snacks and et cetera last <laughs> night. But it's like, I mean, you know, you, you bring up a good point. And look, dude, I mean, I'm a political consultant. Like my job is to elect Republicans. Um, you don't have to agree with me. And I, I may not know everything that everybody feels outside of the country. I live in the Washington, D.C. area. And that's the reason why I wanted to have you on, you know, because like. I don't want to just lecture people from Washington, D.C., because uh, I feel like that makes a really shitty podcast. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I appreciate you, you coming on. I, we have two questions here at the end. We ask everybody who comes on the pod and so the first one is last meal on earth well uh shout out to todd young but i'm gonna have to go with taco bell hell yeah cheesy bean and rice burrito grilled with sour cream and ice water please <laughs> and if i get two strikes at that i want uh, i want a grilled cheese with some heinz ketchup nice final question here what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? The agony of defeat. Because as Marine, I don't fucking lose. <laughs> and the feeling sucks. <laughs> as we're all finding yep. out right now. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's, it's been an honor. So he's an interesting guy. Um, dude, I like I like that this can be a platform for the people's voice to be heard. You know, this well, is think- not this is not us pushing a viewpoint on folks. This is this is where the community comes to speak. Totally, and it underscores the point. Like, look, Nukem and I aren't going to agree on everything, but it underscores the point that we are at this stage with our walls our, our back against the wall. Right. And we all need to link arms and figure out how to stop basically a socialist agenda. The, the idea that the Biden administration was going to somehow come in and play nice, as all the press had suggested, is, is over. Right. And so the discrepancies that you heard Duncan argue with Newcomb, like basically that's just small ball. Right. We can mm-hmm. kind of agree. And I felt like you guys kind of did, Duncan. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there was at one point where he was making this sort of like populist argument that I agreed with, which was that like, you know, whether it's MAGA or, or BLM or Antifa, you know, I mean, everyone sort of feels like, like, you know, our political establishment has let them down in some way, you know, whether you're, you're a Donald Trump supporter, or if you wanted $2,000 checks, right. And you're, you're pissed off at Biden right now. And so, Look, we've seen it with with Robin Hood and GameStop. We, we're, we're obviously, you know, at a, at a populist period in our politics. And I think 
I think he's obviously got his 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 pul- you know finger on the pulse of that. So I think it was very interesting. Well, I'm glad you did it. I hope we can do more of that. Clearly, the community is the biggest part of this show. So uh, good work, Dunks. Smug, you got to sign us out of here, though. Another outstanding episode, gentlemen. Outstanding work. So until next time, minions. Keep the faith, once was a hold the line, and own the, the name of the scam was Stay ruthless. We'll see you on Thursday. Up. The truth was known. Their game came crashing down. Soon may the weaver men come, DMing boys who were way too young. One day when the griffin is done, we'll take our cash and go. Soon may the weaver men come, DMing boys who were way too young. One day when the griffin is done, we'll take our cash and go.